1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are all having a great week. Uh, big show today. A lot to get to today. I was joined by my good friend Nate Madden from The Blaze. Uh, it's always a good time talking to Nate. Um, I, uh, I put off talking impeachment as long as I could. We kind of talked Star Wars for a while. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoy that. Um, yeah, I also got to uh, I brought up the Afghanistan papers again because you know me. I do what I do. But we had to talk impeachment, we had to talk impeachment, I finally did it, you guys can stop complaining, uh, you know, I, I, I try to make it uh, as exciting as possible, it's a very boring topic, but I, I did what I can. Uh, before I get to Nate, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review, I'd really appreciate it, and if you want to get involved with the show, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the podcast. all right. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the great Nate Madden. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Nate Madden from The Blaze. Nate, my brother, I know it's a busy day, but uh, thanks for taking the time, man.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Of course, man. You know, today, uh, unfortunately, we have to cover stuff that's right in your wheelhouse, uh, covering Capitol Hill on a daily basis, so... Um, you know, look, I'll and not try to put even like
0: the real substantive thing of the spending debacle. Now, we're we're talking about the end of the House's impeachment circus so we can take a Christmas break and get to the Senate's.
1: Right. We will get to the uh, the spending bill, by the way, because that was a monstrosity. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to put off impeachment talk for, for a couple of minutes. Uh, dude, uh, we, a lot of Star Wars talk, at least on Twitter lately, um, between a lot of our friends and, and colleagues and stuff. Uh, are you planning on seeing the new? Are you, are you? I'm sure you'll see it, but are you going to rush out and see the new Star Wars movie? I, I'm nervous. I, I'm very nervous.
0: I've kind of given up on this trilogy. Um, after just so I, I'm going to see it at some point, like maybe after it, like maybe after it's streaming or it's at Redbox or something like that. I don't know that I'm actually going to put the money forward to pay for a sitter and take my wife out to see this. Um, or go see it with you know, or see it with a friend in, in theaters if the opportunity presents itself. Just because I've been so underwhelmed and unimpressed with the last two, with the last two of this whole Skywalker Force Awakens trilogy, whatever we're calling it.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I uh, I never even saw Solo um, because Last Jedi was so bad. I mean, like legitimately one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Not just Star Wars related, just one of the worst films in history. Yeah. Um, and so i didn't even see solo which i heard was good but i was just like i couldn't i couldn't put myself through it but I, i'll go out and see it but man so everybody was debating and this pops up on twitter like every 6 months or so like listing in order, like the best through the worst Star Wars movies, and I don't really care about the list as long as you get number one and and then the la- the worst correct. Like obviously, Empire Strikes Back is the best, and Last Jedi is the worst. Any any the other ones in between doesn't really matter to me. But I mean, you agree? I mean, that I don't. Think yeah, it's really I'll, I'll agree right.
0: on, on that. Uh, for me, it's, it's so the bottoms tied between Phantom Menace and Last Jedi. Um.
1: Oh, dude, Last Jedi is much worse.
0: <sighs> I don't know. I. Would, I
1: Here's this. I was debating with a friend yesterday on Twitter, and I see your seven-hour-long pod racing scene, and I raise you a 12-hour-long casino planet scene that makes no sense and came out of nowhere and then went away without any explanation. And just the murder of, like, all the good characters in, like, the most bitch-ass way they could possibly think of.
0: I forgot about the stupid casino scene. I think my, my... I think my subconscious wanted that blocked out, but oh my gosh, yes.
1: It was just the pod racing scene, except at least the pod racing scene had something to do with the storyline.
0: Yeah, they needed the money to, to fix the ship to get back to to get the course. Right. They like that that fit.
1: It oh at least like gosh. existed for a reason. The casino planet thing—they just introduced like new characters that nobody cares about for no reason, and then send them to a casino for an hour. Like,
0: but I will what? what? I, I still say it's it's a dead heat for me because of the whole stupid attempt at the. The whole, like, scientistic reduction of the force of the whole midichlorian thing.
1: Okay, all right. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. This is the trump card against your argument. Darth Maul was a badass. You... Kylo Ren, like, any male, like, human male over the age of 12 looks at Kylo Ren's, like, I could kick that guy's ass. You just can't. Like, you can't have, like, all these awesome bad guys. Darth Maul, Darth Vader, like, all these, like, you know, historic, perfect villains and then followed up with this like little bitch who's like, Man, I'd knock that guy out in five seconds. You know, it's just bad. It's just bad all around.
0: I'll concede you on that. I'm still pissed about the Metaclorians. Yeah, um, and I was, will remain so.
1: Have you are you watching a Mandalorian?
0: <laughs> I am, and it's it's nice. So like I, I wanna thank the all the creatives over at Disney and Disney Plus for coming up with a super adorable space baby. Because <laughs> now my wife will watch Star Wars stuff with me.
1: <laughs> Dude, same. For the my space wife baby. my yeah, my wife hates Star Wars, but she's watching Mandalorian for Baby Yoda. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like she's <laughs> bringing... just the whole time just waiting for everything that circulates around the child. Yeah, we're we're a few weeks behind on it. Um but we're catching up slowly. But yeah, I I'm enjoying it. I think this is uh you know, like so the, it's it's weird. You know, I I'm, I really hope Disney gets the message that the two best things that it's put out since acquiring Lucas uh, acquiring the rights Rogue One and The Mandalorian, and they can hopefully reset on that and stop doing all the stupid crap that they've done with this with the sequel trilogy.
1: I think they're gonna like fast forward ten years. I think they're basically going to do what Marvel's done with a couple, like they did that with like the Hulk, like one of those weird, like really bad Hulk movies that was all like split yeah. screen and shit from like ten years ago. Remember that? And they yeah. kind of just like all right, that didn't happen. We're just uh, doing it again <laughs> with like a complete, just different actors and a different storyline. I think they're going to do that. Like, I think this trilogy, they're just going to like, just let it die. And then they'll probably, you know, they'll wait till obviously, you know, like Mark Hamill and, and Harrison Ford are dead or just too old to act, you know? And then they'll like, uh, they'll just do like the actual episode seven, eight, and nine, like how they were in the books, which were like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dork. So I actually read those books and it's like, a fantastic storyline. You know, it it starts like three years after return of the Jedi and it's great. So I I could totally see them in like 10 or 20 years. Just like, okay, mistakes were made. We're sorry. uh, We're going to try it again.
0: (laughs) If only I I don't have that kind of optimism. Uh, I think we're just going to have like, I think we're just going to be stuck with a crappy sequel trilogy and a lot of really good, you know, a lot of really good, Penumbra content. I don't know what we call it. Peripheral content. Uh, you know, all these stories that are that are external to the the, the central Skywalker saga. Uh, I think that's just what we're going to be stuck with as fans. We got you know the original.
1: <laughs> you're probably right. I mean, look. In in my defense, uh, I mean, you do work on Capitol Hill every day, so you're you are just by nature a pessimist. I have to. Um, you you have a lot of self-loathing issues going on right now. I mean, I get it. I mean, how could how could you not? Um, all right. Wanna do this? Wanna do this, man? Let's do it. Yeah,
0: that. let's rip the band aid. All right. All right.
1: Look, uh I may never forgive the Democrats um for making me talk about this bullshit impeachment nonsense. I mean I I've I've told the audience, like I'm not talking about it until something happens. I guess technically speaking, something's happening today. Not really, but Hey, look, happy, happy fundraising day, Nate. Happy fundraising day. Uh, that's kind of all this is. It's not really an impeachment. It's just both sides fundraising off of this. So, uh, yeah, ha- ha- happy fundraising day. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I don't know what else to say, man. I don't know. I got nothing. The only two things that
0: happen on the House floor anymore are voting and fundraising. Let's let's face that fact now. I mean, most most of the, you can see what the spending bill that came out, most of the stuff that actually comes to the floor, the, the cake is baked before you get there. That we don't like open amendment processes. Even when there are open amendment processes, it's all, you know, it's everything is sort of a predetermined outcome by the time it gets to the House floor. Um, If it's actually going up for a vote, you know, most of its fate's already been decided. Kind of like this, yeah. Uh, We've known, well, for this episode specifically, and then for all the other episodes of Undermine Trump Theater that we've seen. For the last three years, we've known that we were headed towards today. Uh, And this is simply just a long, arduous slog through a bunch of prepared statements. So, you know, what I'm watching on the floor right now, it's a long, arduous slog through a bunch of prepared statements. Towards the outcome, we all knew that we were eventually going to get to the moment the Democrats took over the House of Representatives on election night in 2018. We knew this was coming. We knew there were going to be investigations upon investigations. Investigations upon investigations, there was eventually going to be an intent, uh, an impeachment attempt based on something. You know, at at the time it seemed like it was going to be the Mueller stuff, and then that fizzled. So they had they ended up running with this. This is just where we are, and so we've got a full-on day of just mind-numbing debate, regurgitating the same talking points from both sides that we've heard repeated ad nauseum over and over again for the last three months. And then the only surprising thing will be seeing how many seeing. Exactly how many Democrats end up defecting on this thing, and it doesn't look like there's going to be as many as we speculated. But again, things always change when you're going into a vote like this. So we'll know when we actually have a roll call.
1: Yeah, I but to that to will like, be uh, until late tonight. Yeah, yeah. They said like what eight, nine p.m. something like that. My goodness. What in, a, in for... a
0: world where there is no parliamentary warfare, the you know you could have feasibly, you know, possibly anticipated about seven p.m. But we're, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, it's once it you actually get into these things, once you actually like throw the stuff on the floor and you get onto something and you, you, these guys start throwing out these amendments or not necessarily amendments in this case because it's a closed rule. But these guys start throwing out all these different parliamentary procedures and the points of order and everything else. Uh, you start throwing all the all the different things that you can throw people in the books so that you, you can drag this thing out for a while. So.
1: Man, look, if if we have to be put through this nonsense, can we have some real parliamentary warfare like they do in England? How uh, they just scream and yell at each other like children. (laughs) Like, that would be way better than the system we have now. I mean, I I could even take it a step further, and uh, I'd be in favor of trial by combat. Like Game Game (laughs) of Thrones style. I don't know, man. Let's have some fun. I
0: don't know. You look at the leadership on both sides, that just looks like it'd be more sad than entertaining. Let's.
1: Yeah, but but they but you can uh, what what's it called in Game of Thrones? You can uh, you can have a champion, so each side can have a champion. <laughs> I
0: don't so the think question prob- is who can they pull their champion from. So like,
1: yeah, I mean, like the Dems would have like some like transgendered communist or something, and then like you know like Trump would have like a Navy SEAL or something. It would it would be yeah. it would be bad. It would be bad. It, yeah, it would, that would not be good for the Democrats. Look, man. So here's the thing: every president. In the foreseeable future, is going to be impeached. Now, I mean, really, um, and I, I, I mean, one, the next Democratic president should be impeached. Like I, I say that without the slightest hint of irony. Like Republicans, uh, Republicans tend to play a lot nicer than Democrats um, when they're in power. Uh, they try not, they don't really fight to the bacon like the Democrats do. Um, but I think they should. Like, I think they should whenever the next Democratic president is elected. And if the Republicans have the House, they should just impeach him for, for anything, for uh, eating a ham sandwich, impeach him for anything, just to prove a point, just to prove that the Democrats can't get away with this shit. Right. I mean, like, I know that sounds like petty and ridiculous, but I don't know. Look, if they're if they're impeaching Trump for absolutely no reason, let's impeach their guy, their their next guy for absolutely no reason. Why not? Let's have some fun.
0: I think even more than just making the point of how much this has lowered the standard, because I don't know, I get it. I'm pessimistic about how much, you know, how much making that point is actually going to matter to folks who are trying to live their lives, you know, heat their homes, feed their kids and everything else. I, I think that the the bigger point to be made or rather than point to be made, but I think the bigger gain from seeking to ins- seeking to impeach the next Democratic president, regardless of who they are, or what they've done is to prove or is to. To make the point that this needs to stop, I think that this is the only thing that that is going to – the only thing that is going to head off future partisan impeachments like this. And that's just a snowball's chance in hell that it will uh, given how craven our politics is and given how craven this entire process has been. And given just – I mean the sheer amount of hate that we've seen directed at Trump just years after they directed the same amount of hate at Mitt Romney – Right. <laughs> Given all these things, it's a snowball chance in hell that doing it. But it is the I, I think it's the only snowball you've got to throw to at least head off or at least make people on the left question, you know, what they're doing by lowering the standard to make people wonder, you know, is this something that we need to keep doing? Do we need to you know, actually follow the guidance that history gives us on impeachment, you know, where you're su- Supposed to the high crimes and misdemeanors are supposed to mean high crimes and misdemeanors, not nebulous and amorphous claims of abuse of power (laughs) that are retroactively backed up by claims of wire fraud that were never previously discussed in any of the in any of the proceedings. Right.
1: I mean, one of the one of the articles of impeachment is for obstruction of Congress, which isn't a real thing. That's not a thing. You know, like Trump and the the Trump team doesn't have to respond to Congress unless a, a federal judge Declares that they have to, I mean, and obstruction of Congress isn't isn't a real thing. And congressional
0: investigators refused to go. You know when uh, Congress and the executive are co-equal branches, right? This is this is, a, this is a dispute between two co-equal branches, and instead of going to the courts to resolve this dispute of obstruction over these documents and witnesses that the administration that the administration held back, the White House held back, they decided to go through and draft an article of impeachment claiming that Trump was obstructing them as a co-equal branch. We have a third branch whose job it is to settle disputes and controversies between the other two co-equal branches. But this all just drives home the fact that this has all been such a gigantic farce hurtling towards an already known and expected predetermined outcome. Right. And this is all what we've watched and seen over the last few months.
1: A Republican congressman should get up on the floor of the house today and preemptively issue articles impeachment of impeachment for the next democratic president just right now today say i'm I'm issuing articles of impeachment against the next democratic president for obstruction of congress get all the republicans to vote for it and say hey See, guys? See, you brain-dead, ridiculous fools. Um, is, is this what you want? Is this really what you want? Like, for the next 50 years, is this what you really want? And it's sad, too. Like, look, and I mean this with 100% seriousness. The, the greatest thing about the Trump presidency is that Americans are losing all faith in government institutions. I think that's tremendous. Like, it's, it's actually great for the future of the country. Like, I hate the statist worship of government. I mean, dude, we had to sit for eight years where 100 million Democrats worshipped the state. I mean, they literally worshipped the state. Like, if any government worker came to an Obama voter and said, I'm from the government, they would have, like, immediately dropped to their knees and performed sexual acts on them, okay? So, like, I'm very glad that, like, the Democrats are turning into a bunch of, like, anarchists that hate the government. I think that's actually an improvement on their previous disposition when their guy was in power. But, like, I actually like the power of impeachment. Like, I think impeachment's important. I think it's a a very important check on government overreach, on on the executive overreach. And now that's gone. I mean, it's gone. Like, impeachment is now worthless. Nobody will ever view impeachment with any level of seriousness ever again. And that really sucks because I can name probably 25-plus presidents that should have been impeached. I mean, dude, Barack Obama started three wars without uh, congressional approval— Walked all over the Constitution. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, he murdered an American citizen. He drone bombed a 16-year-old American citizen in Yemen. So if, if fucking first-degree murder is not impeachable, like, I, I don't think that's great for the, the future of the country.
0: I mean, there's more than 25. The thing is, when you lower the standard of impeachment to something, to a subjective nebulous argument like abuse of power, and when you do so, when you draft something that doesn't list any statutory crimes and abusing that power, you can subject anybody past, present and future to an impeachment. And this is not what the framers wanted. This is not what what the, the framers envisioned. You, know, you hear this argument saying that, oh, well, this is simply just a political matter that we have. I've heard some people say, oh, yeah, we have no idea what they would have, what the idea they would have wanted for the standard. There's actually a debate about this at the Constitutional Convention. Uh, you can look at Madison's notes on the Constitution. They're they're discussing the impeachment clause. And George Mason gets up and says, well, why should it only be for treason and bribery? Shouldn't we put in there maladministration? Maladministration, of course, is something that that means you know doing a bad job, doing a subjectively, you know, bad job or dishonest job, whatever you want to mean. So Governor Morris says so Madison first responds saying that such a vague term is going to have the executive serve at the pleasure of the legislative, specifically the Senate in his case, which right. is not co-equal. That's 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 not this. That that's a subordinate position at that point, and ultimately it, it puts the executive edit in a subordinate position because they can be removed at it, because they could have been removed at any time. And then governor Morris gets up and says, you know, well, we have an election every four years, so that ought to prevent maladministration. And so instead of maladministration, the standard was set to high crimes and misdemeanors. So it gives us an insight that this is not simply. It's supposed to be just a political thing this is not supposed to be just a subjective thing. these are things that are supposed to you know matter and meet thresholds and everything else um, but ultimately it's going to be on to the Senate to try it so we'll see how you we mean, get there with that.
1: Maladministration. if that was the standard for impeaching the president anytime any president which has been most of them have signed a, a federal budget that wasn't balanced that's maladministration and they should have been removed from office.
0: I mean, oh, if yeah. that's the metric,
1: and you can make that argument. Yeah. I mean, look, look, time that they. Right. And, like, I'm not just trying to be a Trump shill right now. I swear I'm not. But, I mean, looking back at, like, I mean, we could go other. I mean, look, Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus, for goodness sakes. And he's on Mount Rushmore. He's like a consensus top five president. I would disagree with that. But he's a, you know, among most scholars, he's a consensus top five president. And he suspended habeas corpus. Okay, like if that's not impeachable, I don't know what is. I mean, just look at the last several presidents, and I you could argue that Trump has committed the by far the least uh, impeachable offenses. I mean, I mean, Obama obviously the wars, the uh, weaponizing the IRS, wiretapping journalists, drone bombing an American citizen. George Bush the Iraq it. George Bush the Iraq war Bill Clinton uh, refusing to take out Osama bin Laden when he had him in his crosshairs and you know obviously uh, obstruction and, and lying under oath and and all that George HW Bush running guns through Mexico Reagan Iran Contras uh, Jimmy Carter mishandling the hostage situation giving Iran pallets of cash and uh, and all, can, can you go on I'm, dude we go FDR the hero of the Democratic Party. Sent a hundred thousand Japanese Americans to prison camps. Oh, <laughs> and threatened to to pack the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court didn't rubber stamp his communist agenda. I mean, dude, look. I mean, we. I mean, we could go through history. They all could have been impeached. They weren't, but the left wants us to be perfectly fine with impeaching our guy for having a phone conversation with the president of a country that doesn't matter. It's it's absolutely ridiculous.
0: So you hit all my historical talking points on that, so
1: I, I want to give you <laughs> kudos. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, man.
0: I was just sitting there like, oh, right, is he going to get to that one? Is he going to get to that one? Yes, there's a long litany of stuff that you can all subjectively say is an abuse of power. You know, the, And that's, I guess, what's so frustrating about all this. But like we said earlier, this all comes back to whether or not we want to make this the new norm for impeachment. And I think the only way to, to set that in clearest terms for our fellow citizens on the left side of the aisle and the left side of these uh, of these issues on the anti-Trump side who have just you know for everybody who's been blinded and removed uh, and you know relieved of their logic uh, because of their dislike of the guy in the round room right now um, the only way to do that is just to just as cravenly subjectively go after the next democratic president just to show that this sword cuts both ways Um, and it never
1: does man like the GOP never holds the democrats feet to the fire like that I mean, I guess since impeaching Bill Clinton, I suppose. But it's like they, they never fight the way that... And that's why a lot of GOP voters like Trump so much. You know, he fights, he fights. I get that. You know, I, but I, I don't know. It's obviously bad for the country. But in a, in on a certain level, I do hope the GOP just randomly impeaches the next Democratic president for no reason. I honestly do. All right, one, one more point on impeachment and then we can move on. But from what I've read, and obviously you have uh, your finger on the pulse of this a lot closer than I do, but from what I'm reading, only like, between three to five democrats are going to defect and vote no on this um which i think i i think this i mean that's a look if they were smart and i'm not trying to give the democrats any ideas because i want them to lose every election from now till kingdom kingdom come but like if pelosi was smart wouldn't she just tell 20 of her moderates to vote no so this fails in the house and that way they don't get the heat of an unpopular impeachment they don't have to campaign on impeachment in these swing districts where it's very unpopular and she could still go to the base and say, Hey, I tried, I tried my best. Like, wouldn't that be way better? Wouldn't that be way smarter?
0: Perhaps. The other side of it though, is that would be a huge anticlimactic embarrassment for all the democratic leaders who jumped on this train and, and, you know, drove it at full bore the minute they, we, we started going through whistleblower gate months ago. Um, I think there'd be, I, I just don't see it happening.
1: I mean, it's going to be an embarrassing moment for the Democrats anyway. I mean, it'll fail immediately in the Senate. Though They'll only get 40, 42 votes in the Senate, and they need 67. So, I mean, it's obviously going nowhere. It'll be embarrassing for them anyway. It seems like Pelosi, if she was the crafty, cunning politician we all thought she would, she would at least save the careers of these you know, 20, 30, 40 swing state Democrats who are probably going to go down next year. Uh, for voting on this, I mean, dude, impeachment in Ohio and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania—I mean, it's polling at like forty percent right now. Yeah,
0: it's it's abysmal the the support for this thing uh, that they would need in order to do this. It is, and a lot of these vulnerable freshman Democrats are effectively going into this, knowing they're committing political suicide. I I think this is just one of those things where it goes a step past political calculation and that a lot of these people really truly do believe in their heart of hearts that this impeachment needs to happen because it defies all political calculation at this point. Um, Either it's a combination or either that, or it's, it's a combination of really and truly believing that we do, that we do need to impeach this guy for the sake of the future of the Republic. Um, And the fact that so many people in this, in the leadership of the House Democratic Caucus have now tied themselves to this thing. And if it doesn't pass, it's going to be a huge embarrassment for them, Uh, which I guess, you know, it would also be a huge embarrassment if they lost in 2018. But, you know, again, we're at a point that just defies all political calculation because if political calculation mattered, we wouldn't have gotten to this point in the first place.
1: Right, right. That's definitely correct. And I mean, look, uh, silver lining for all these moderate Democrats, you know, in in swing districts who are going to lose their job Next year, obviously the Trump economy is very strong. So uh, you know the economy is booming right now due to Republican governance. So they'll be able to find work in the private sector. So you know they'll, they'll, you guys will be all right, Connor Lamb and all you you know all you hacks, uh, you'll you'll be fine. You can thank Trump when you when you find a, a, a nice paying job in the private sector. Um, all right, so I I know you're a fan, Nate, of uh, our friend uh, Cocaine Mitch the Senate majority leader. <laughs> and I just think it's hilarious, man. When the, <laughs> when the house is fooling around with impeachment today, the Senate is set to confirm 13 more federal judges. Ah, uh, God bless that man. The Senator from Kentucky. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's how it does. It's just, they're going to keep rolling to the end of the year. Um, this is pretty much, I mean, what here's the thing. Yes. Yes. This is something that McConnell wants to be his legacy. Yes, it's probably the only uh, Trump promise that Congress can deliver on in any meaningful way with a Democratic House right now. Right. Um, and Democratic. They crossed 70 total judges between districts, circuits, and the Supremes. And then they crossed the threshold after that for 50 circuit, for 50 appellate courts. So the circuit, the actual circuit judges that make these, these, these rulings that line up with the Supreme Court. Um, and that's a huge deal. This is something that's going to live on I mean, this is something that's going to reverberate long after, uh, you know, McConnell and Trump cross over into the next, uh, in the next plane of reality, you know,
1: it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, Look, one more thing uh, that we, we have to touch on before I let you go, Nate, and I know you're busy, so I'm gonna let you go here in a second, but, um, look, I've been, I've been pounding my desk, screaming and yelling into my microphone twice a week about, uh, about the Afghanistan papers, um. Obviously, last week, The Washington Post published the Afghanistan Papers, the biggest news story in a decade, in my mind. Um, If anybody missed it, if you are a citizen of the United States, uh, your government has been lying to you for 18 years about Afghanistan. They've been lying to you, to your face. They knew that they had no exit strategy, they had no real enemy, no real goal, no mission at all. 3,000 of our countrymen have died over there. Oh, not to mention the 100,000 uh, Afghani civilians. Um, obviously, nobody gives a shit, man. Nobody cares, Nate. Like that, it, that was in and out of the news cycle in like four hours. We talk about impeachment. We're talking about all this crap that doesn't really matter. The Washington Post, and hey, God bless them. They actually did some journalism for once. A broken clock is right twice a day but they broke the biggest news story in a decade and nobody cares. Like I it, I'm so frustrated doing this podcast, man, trying to get people to give a shit about things that actually matter. And all people want to talk about is impeachment. It's so frustrating, man. And the Afghanistan papers, it's not anything that we didn't already assume, but it just confirms all of our worst fears.
0: You know, when I get into stuff like this because it's the stuff that people actually pay attention to and the stuff that really matters, I remind myself that that's the setup for literally every movie about journalism I've ever seen in my entire life and realized this is, you know, this is, this is not a new complaint. This is not a new frustration that I have. This has been around. Right. Right. But this is one of those cases where it's especially incredibly frustrating. Um, I, it's like spending. It's like so many of these other things that are incredibly consequential where I honestly do not know how in the world to make this stuff as appealing as it is important. And I've been searching for that magical Northwest Passage you know, for years. And I, I, I simply just don't know what to do about it. It is, I mean, the other thing about the Afghanistan papers, I guess one thing, one reason, there's probably an even bigger problem than you know, the usual urgent versus important tension. My, my theory on why this dropped out of the news cycle so quickly is not just because we're distracted by impeachment and everything else and all the other all the other soap opera crap. Right. It's because we've gotten so inured and so so used to being in a state of war over the last two decades. Right. We've gotten so used to, to sending young men and women off to the mountains of Afghanistan uh, and wishing them the best, hoping they come back that. And we've also become, you know, everybody who's frustrated with this has just gotten so used to, you know, the for the I like to call it <laughs> the foreign policy swamp. You know, some people attribute it to the military-industrial complex. It's bigger than that because then you also have like all the professional foreign policy wonks who right. do, do all their things and tell us, you know, we need to constantly be refereeing every single uh, sectarian uh, religious conflict and and everything like that in the in, in the world. It's this this is entire Consensus foreign policy apparatus that we have to deal with. Both, and parties. we've gotten so used to losing out to that.
1: Right, we've and gotten both, so used to. And it's bipartisan. I mean, it's both parties. Oh, it, yeah. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And that's a that's a good point. Like libertarians, like myself, always talk about the military-industrial complex, but that's that's not even. That's a fraction <laughs> of the foreign policy consensus that is that is keeping us in in these uh, never ending wars. I mean, it is the military industrial complex. It's also the like you said, the bureaucracy and the, the bureau- foreign policy establishment from both parties. I mean, like it's when the some, establishment
0: when... of these guys who sit around in these in these these events with the with the coffee and the, and the and the expensive cookies in the back of the room and talking about all these all these words that only foreign policy wonks you know understand you know from from the degrees they've gotten in international politics and military, you know, whatever they've gotten over the years. And we've gotten so used to losing out against that that it comes as no surprise to a lot of people that we've been lied to on such a level for almost two decades.
1: Look at the support that Tulsi Gabbard is getting from, like, some conservatives and some libertarians. I mean, like, it's not a lot of support because I, I think... By and large, the American people don't really care about this stuff, which is awful. I'm like, like you said, you and I are, and people like us are, are trying to force people to care about this. But the fact of the matter is that, uh, that you know nobody does. But like somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who's talking about ending these wars, uh, the the people that do care deeply about the Middle East and about bringing our troops home and stuff, are supporting somebody like Tulsi Gabbard a communist (laughs) right i mean she's like to the left of bernie sanders on economics like she's absolutely terrible uh i think you said i I believe it was you who said this on the podcast probably six months ago uh that voting for tulsi gabbard to you know on because she's good on foreign policy would be like buying uh blowing 747 for the free peanuts or something like you know you had a good line like that and that's totally true but like the the Few people that do care about this shit are supporting a horrible politician like Tulsi Gabbard because she's really good on one issue. And that sucks, man. Like, that's super dangerous. Like, you know, eventually once the tide of the American voter does turn against war, they might elect somebody just absolutely terrible just because they want to get out of Afghanistan or something like that. I mean, they could elect a socialist just because they're good on Afghanistan or something like it could get really ugly down the road.
0: Yeah, it could. And that's always the it's always the issue when you when you leave things like this unaddressed for so long and it creates these these very strident single issue voters who will. I mean, you, I don't really need to regurgitate what you said. I mean, that's just this is the kind of thing you run into when you let something like this go on for too long, regardless of, you know, regardless of their attitudes towards it and regardless of all the indicators that you've gotten to the contrary about whether or not it should continue as it has.
1: Right. Yeah, frustration, you're absolutely right.
0: Frustration, and policy, fr- frustration left alone too long in a republic can breed some very, very, very bad results. And I think that, you know, you've got one right there that and it, end up bracing a lot of very, very detrimental and dangerous economic policies for the sake of dealing with something that should have been dealt with years ago. 100%.
1: Not the cheeriest podcast we've ever done, Nate. <laughs> no, okay,
0: I'm, yeah, I'm not really a ray of sunshine when it comes to this stuff. But what are you gonna do?
1: Hey, man, hopefully next time we'll have some uh, more positive stuff to talk about. Everybody, follow Nate at Nate on the Hill. Uh, everybody, check out TheBlaze.com. dot com. Uh, you know him. You, you, guys, you guys all love the Blaze guys. Definitely check them out. It's great. Follow Nate. Uh, he'll be covering uh, all the nonsense happening in Washington, D.C. and Capitol Hill all day. So check out that Twitter feed. Once again, it is Nate on the Hill. Um, I am off next week for Christmas. Uh, God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. Have fun with your family. Uh, don't kill each other. Uh, you know, don't drink too much. Uh, all, all, those, all those disclaimers. I'll be back on uh, December 30th. No gimmicks. Thank